Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. If you turn in that gospel this morning, well, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, it's the Apostle Paul talking about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. Now, if you know anything about Corinth, it was a very difficult place to be a Christian. And uh, things really aren't going swimmingly there for the gospel. The church there is having problems. That's a large bit about what the book's about. But Paul begins wrapping up the book saying, but those problems are no match for the arisen Lord. And you need to know that it's going to be okay if you allow him to come alive in your life. And Paul says, I know, because he's come alive in mine. How many can say it this morning? He's come alive in mine. Amen. So let's read this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and following. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And they'd appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born. He appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Amen. Amen and amen. Beautiful. Let's just open this up a little bit. I love the word of first importance. What I preached to you was of first importance. That I received, that I delivered, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and on he goes. John Wesley, they said, loved to be described as a homo unius libri, which was a man of one book, which is interesting. Because John Wesley wrote bunches of books, and of course he read thousands upon thousands of books. Yet he wanted to say, I'm a man of one book. I think what he was saying was, that one book colors my understanding to all the other books I either read or I write. But it all comes down to one book, really. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I believe it to be true. Uh, That word first is a little different usage of the word first than in some other places. If you'd say, hey... Who was first born in the Friedman family? We would say, well, that's easy. That's Caleb. It's obvious. That guy come bef- came before the others. So, I mean, there's a little dispute even about that. Yeah, first sort of kid, but that's not, not in any important way. You were just first. But first is important that way. But if you remember back there in, uh, in Matthew 6, it said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Remember that? And I looked that word up one day and had a 13 volumes of a Greek dictionary, and every word in the New Testament has a little article on it. And sometimes the article's huge, 
sometimes smaller. This was a bit of a small article. But I look up the word proton, and I was about ready to slam the thing shut because it didn't say anything that I wanted it to say, and I didn't know what I wanted it to say, but it seemed to be crying out to me, hey, dummy, you're looking up for a unique message here. There's no unique message. It means first. I'm, I'm disgusted. I'm about ready to put it away. But I look at the very last paragraph, and there it was. I couldn't believe it. It says, everywhere else in the New Testament, it seems like the word first means first, except here. And it says here, it could only be understood as to mean, seek ye only the kingdom of God. Another way to look at it, said the guy that was writing the article, said it means above all, which means Every, the, this first is above everything else, which means it colors everything else. Always kind of viewed it like a, uh, an, an outline. Roman numeral number one, kingdom of God, God and his kingdom. A, job. B, family. C, future. D, um, the Gonzaga Zags, or you know, whatever. I mean, you, you just put down all the important things beneath that thing. But here's the point. All those things serve the kingdom, and there is no Roman numeral number two. There's only one thing that colors all other things. I think that's exactly the way this is supposed to be met, too. Uh, First importance means the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his appearing to you and changing your life so that now you labor for the gospel. That's the thing that covers everything else in your life. And so get excited about it. That's what the resurrection means, is now it turns on, it ignites every other thing in your life. And I love this. According to the scripture, twice. The death and resurrection wasn't just an event, but it was an episode arising out of Torah. Torah being the first five books of the Bible. The law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. According to the gospel arising out of Torah, out of the poetry, out of the prophets of the Old Testament. And it gives ultimate meaning to the rest of human history. I like the thought of first importance. Now, I love this. So I received, I delivered it. Remember Gunakumar? He's up here one day and he said, you know, I even remember where he was standing when he said it. It was about right here. I remember dumb things like this. Gunakumar standing right here. He says, you know, he says, I'm a postman. You all know what a postman is, right? He says, I'm a postman. That which I receive, I just give it away. I receive it, I give it. I receive it, I give it. Uh, uh, Billy and I were in the discipleship group this week, and it reminded me of an episode that happened in the prisons I totally forgot about. I'm trying to sometimes relate, and all the guys, all the prisoners know, you can't relate. You have no idea what it is to be in here. But I, I do my best, try, and uh, one day if it dawned on me because I'd been asking questions. I said, there's a lot of ramen noodles around here. I wonder what these ramen noodles mean. And they say basically it's currency. I mean, you know, if you got them, you got them. You got something. You got something you can deal with. I mean, people will give some stuff up for ramen noodles. So it dawned on me. I said, you know, if ramen noodles are like money on the outside, probably a little bit, but you're trying to get as much as you can to you. Much as you can to you. Much as you can to... But the way to treat ramen noodles is to give them away. And if you give them away, my bet is you'll end up with more ramen noodles by the end of the week than you had at the beginning of the week. Try it. I'm going to come back and ask you to try it. 
And uh, Billy actually said, one of the guys tried it. Was it was somebody you knew or you or what, who was that? No, we just tried it. Somebody tried it and said, it works. You can't give them away fast enough. You've got the currency of the prison and you're giving it away. And guess what? God's got, not going. You can't outgive God. Isn't that, isn't, that what they say? isn't that what we say at tithe sermons? Please tithe because you can't now to give God. Well, it ends up to be true. And when you've got the gospel, that which you received, you just give it away. And when you give it away, you find yourself more blessed by giving away the gospel than anything you might imagine. I guarantee you, the happiest people in this room right now are the people that gave the gospel away the most this week. And I don't know who those people are, but did you see how many people said yes to Jesus Christ out the penal farm this week? Someone led them to Christ. A group of people out there were in the units, were in the preaching service, and people were saying yes to Jesus. That's not the only people that said yes to Jesus this week, but it's pretty cool. If you've got the gospel, do not keep it for yourself. You need to let loose of it. And then watch blessedness come your way like you never imagined it could. So, first thing here is a first importance. Next thing here is simply this. Christ was buried and he was raised. Verse 4 says this. He was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, I don't usually do what I'm about ready to do, but I thought this was so good. I just wanted to make sure you were exposed to it today. N.T. Wright is a great, uh, great scholar out there today and everybody seems to be listening to him. And I think they should. He's, he's that good. He says, the resurrection makes Christianity the most irritating religion on the face of the earth. (laughs) The reason is that because now people understand they've got to do something with it. He says, how do you decide what you believe? Well, when you talk to people, they decide what they believe by reading and saying, I like it or I don't like it. Scripture, I like it, I don't like it. Based on I like it, that's the word of God. I don't like it, it's probably not the word of God. Over the years, I've heard so many people say, well, I could never be a Christian. And here I says, well, why? Well, there are parts of the Bible I find offensive. I remember years ago, it had to do with money. In my little church in Virginia, people were offended by what the Bible said about money. Today in New York, they're much more offended by what the Bible says about sex. I usually say, let me ask you a question. Are you saying... Because there are parts of the Bible you don't like that Jesus Christ couldn't have been raised from the dead. They said, well, no, I don't think I'm saying that. I said, well, every part of the Bible is important. But would you please put the ethical teaching aside for a minute? And here's the point. If Jesus was raised from the dead, you're going to have to deal with everything in the Bible. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, I don't know why you're vexing yourself over that. But the fact of the matter is, Paul was more offended by Christianity than you. He was killing Christians. By the way, he says we don't advise that. But he was killing Christians. But when he realized Jesus had been raised from the dead, it didn't matter what offended him anymore. Stop being offended by Scripture. You need to receive it, adjust your life, and be holy as this holy God is holy. The resurrection is a paradigm-shattering historical event. If it happened, then this is true. 
you might be offended by it, but who cares? Accept it, receive it, change your life, and be holy, as this Bible says he is holy. Amen? Then this, he appeared. It says he appeared to Cephas, to the twelve, to the five hundred, to James, to all the apostles. And then he says, he appeared to me. Now, I looked it up in a Greek, and same thing in Greek. Appear means appear. Sometimes you don't get a whole lot out of the Greek. But I looked it up in the English, and I like this. To allow oneself to be seen. I like that. You allow, Jesus allowed himself to be seen. Now, I often wax eloquent about Lucy and Aslan. But there are these books, the Chronicles of Narnia. They're books for kids, but adults, if you haven't read them yet, you need to get up to speed and read these books, the Chronicles of Narnia. And um, there's a book called Prince Caspian. And there's about six books, seven books or so in the Chronicles. There's a book about Prince Caspian. And time as it goes between this world and Narnia, is different. For instance, you can leave Narnia for a while, and when you go back, hundreds and hundreds of years have passed. You know, only a year in your life, but 1,400 years, and that's what happened this time. They're back in Narnia. Lucy and the gang, her, her sister and her two brothers, and there is now a, uh, a dwarf that's with them. And so they're looking for Prince Caspian in this book. Now, Aslan has already appeared to Lucy and said, come with me. And she takes it back to the group and the group talks her out of it. And so they're following Peter. Peter's supposed to know what he's doing. Peter's the oldest. But Peter's been gone from this land for 1,400 years. So things have changed. The landscape is different. He's getting loster and loster. And the group is getting loster and loster with him. And finally, Aslan comes back again. No one can see him, only Lucy But she sees the Messiah figure, Aslan, and he seems to signal, come on, follow me, follow me. And there are four different reactions to her statement. Number one, the dwarf doesn't believe there really is an Aslan. We got people like that today, don't we? Number two, Peter, the oldest, wonders why Aslan wouldn't have made himself visible to him. He's the oldest. Why didn't he appear to me? That's the Pharisees and the scribes, right? Hey, if Messiah came, you'd think he'd come to us. Then there's Edmund. Edmund's got some sense to him. Edmund says, you know, Lucy's been right before. We might want to think about listening to her. But Susan, her older sister, wonders why no one else saw him. Why only you, punk little sister? And Lucy looks at Susan and says, perhaps you weren't looking for him. A possible observation for too many of us today? And that is, were you looking for Jesus to show up this week? Because I can almost assure you, he did. Now, I'm not talking about physically, his arms, his legs, his torso, his face. I'm not talking that way. But it says that he's alive and he says, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Is it possible that somehow, some way, Jesus showed up in your life even this week? And uh, I'm thinking... Maybe he did. And Matt, you were expecting the $100 bill showing up in your life. Now, I looked it up. There's no longer a $1,000 bill or a $5,000 or a $50,000. I looked it up. They're out of circulation. The top bill right now is $100. That's as high as we can go. But I'm looking for the one. Anybody with me here? 
You keep looking for the $100 bill appearance to show up in your life, right? But I think Fred Craddock had it right. Everybody expects a $100 appearance to show up. Or maybe, you know, the whole bunch of $100 bills. Here, I'll show up like that. What if God's a roll of quarters? And he doesn't show up in $100 bills anymore. Not usually, not ever really has he shown up that way that much as a $100 bill. Wow, what an appearance! What, however, if he's kind of like a roll of quarters and he showed up like that to you today, but you missed him because you weren't looking for him. And how did it happen? I'm going to tell you, it happens to me nearly every Friday morning, 6 a.m., when guys sit around my living room table and they witness to the faith that has happened to them this week and Jesus shows up in that very room. I believe it. It happens when I'm at the abortion clinic and I'm standing out there and I'm thinking this is like the worst hour of my week. I hate this. And Jesus said, yeah, man, I did some things I hated too, and I did them nonetheless. Not everything has to be happy. Not everything has to be fun. Not everything has to be hilarious. Matt, not everything even has to be entertaining. And yet I can show up here just like I can anywhere else. He shows up for me as I'm at work. And sometimes, I know, I work at a seminary, we thinking everything that goes on at the seminary is going to be happy, happy, happy days. All contraire. And he shows up in the middle of that stuff too. Is it possible Jesus could appear in the middle of stuff? And folks, you've got to be looking for him. I'm going to have a... I'd like to have some testimonies this morning. Billy, fire this thing up for me and give this to Edward. I'd like for Edward to share with us. And um, what they say, Edward, Methodist preacher has to be able to preach, pray, or die at any moment. Is he ready to go? So, this is the moment. I'd like to know how he appeared to you to change your life because by your own estimation, you were a mess. Hey, anybody here like him? I was a mess. And Jesus appeared. Jesus showed up in my life. Jesus changed my life. I'd just like you to give us a couple minutes of how do you do it. Thank you. It's on. Go, brother. Okay. Are you going to stand right there? I am going to stand this? right here. All right. Just, just want to know first. I'm gonna, like I do, Miss Don, I'm ready to take that mic away when it goes oh, 201. Right. Oh, I won't. I won't. And go. No, so. He, for me, this is perfect because um, Resurrection Sunday is, uh, for me, thinking about how not necessarily how God appeared in my life, but how he reappeared. I mean, I was raised in the church, so it wasn't like I didn't know who he was. It wasn't like I was grateful. It wasn't like uh, I read the Bible or went to church with my parents and whatnot. No, I chose to forsake that and get into fun. <laughs> fun versus joy is, is what I'll leave you with and, and, and what I'll theme this with. I, through God being the 
awesome father that he is um, got me to hard learn the difference between fun and joy. See, I was out there having a lot of fun. And in that fun, then I found out, oh, by the way, you're also an addict. <laughs> so deal with that. And um, so for me, my lowest point, because I always said, you know, um, well, you know, I, I work for my money to be an addict, so I'm a good addict. Um, I'm not going to do anything wrong. And then I did. And then I had a consequence, you know, a couple few months in the county penal farm, basically. So the, that for me was absolutely the lowest point because I was sort of like, well, that's something I've never had to deal with and never will. But I did. See, it's a, a life, an addict's life is always about, uh, what ifs and when. You know, you know, you, 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 you have to be able to know that you can always fall lower until you finally give that up and surrender to God. So for me, um, God showed up as taking me back as a prodigal son. He showed up and said, now that you are ready to totally surrender to me, this is what joy is. You've had your fun. Let me show you what joy is. Joy is everlasting. Fun is very temporal. Fun is temporary. Fun is nothing. But joy is going to last forever. So he showed up in every single possible way in just being able to now live a life, you know, have a rich work life in which I can share the gospel with the people I work with and the uh, members that come into contact with me to be able to be here right now in front of all of you, um, to be around like-minded people, but also to bring that message to people who aren't necessarily like-minded, but who are just ready for that. They're just ready, 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 because they too are into fun instead of joy. So for me, God has appeared in every way. Good job, Aaron. But I want you to hear that. Uh, And what you just heard was, God appeared to me, reappeared to me, and he set me free, and so I can share it, so I can tell other people. And I do it at my work. Uh, he's with us out at the penal farm. He's here, regular basis, sharing the message with anybody who will hear. Y'all, we're saved not just to get our hides into heaven, but to drag as many other people along with us as we possibly can for the glory of God you live to make other people alive. Yeah, it takes the grace of God. Yes, it takes the resurrection within you. But that's why you were sent to make disciples. You say, I'll be with you always. I want you to know this appearance thing is huge because he will appear to you not just in ways salvation-wise. He will appear to you in all kinds of ways. This is what I want to know. Uh, the 500. It says the five, he appeared to 500. I'm thinking, wow. But there was only 120 at Pentecost. What happened to the 380? Y'all, it's not enough that he appears to you. You have got to allow that appearance to be consequential. You've got to be a willing to say to the Spirit, take over. Just a moment ago, we prayed a prayer of salvation for a young man down here at this altar. And I said, you know, it's one thing to say, be my Savior. It's another thing altogether to say, be my Lord. Take my life. Direct every part of my life for your kingdom and for your glory. 
I just want to know, don't be one of the 380 so-called. I'm using them metaphorically for this morning for those that said, we saw him, but it wasn't consequential for, uh, enough for us to go to Jerusalem and be filled with the Spirit by him. Y'all, go on. If he's appeared to you, he's appeared to you for a reason. Go on. Go on to Jerusalem. Get filled with the Spirit. Then go to the other ends. That's his life for you. Now, this is what it says, verse 8. He appeared to me also, says Paul. Listen, he appeared to Cephas, he appeared to the 12, appeared to many others, appeared to the 500, and he appeared to me also. For I'm the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He killed Christians. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Y'all, grace of God for you does not mean chill pill. It's never meant chill pill. Great, let me just rest in God now and wait for heaven. Stop it. Heaven's going to be you getting up off your duff and going and letting other people know what Jesus has done in your life. Paul labored hard to destroy Christianity. Now grace has set his heart to work at least as hard to build Christianity. And boy, did he ever. I looked up a Psychology Today article. A guy named Dr. Lawrence Stibel says this, if you're serving people you do not enjoy being with, well, think about this, your job. Think about your job right now. All right. Do I serve people I don't enjoy being with and I I don't get paid for it? You're in a state of insanity, he says. (laughs) And a lot of us have been right there. Almost always, we live in an insane state if that's what it is. You work for someone you don't enjoy and you're not getting paid for. It's the second category. If you are serving people you enjoy being with but not getting paid for, that's give back. It's not a bad place to be. But he says, if you're serving people you do not enjoy being with but you are getting paid, ah, that's work. A lot of us are right there. But then he says this. If you are serving people you enjoy being with and you are getting paid, that is fun. And the whole point of the article is, you ought to be having fun. Figure out how you can work with people you enjoy being with and getting paid to do it. Now, honestly, if that's fun, I'm living the fun life. Pretty much, yeah, they can be irritating sometimes. But on the whole, pretty fun group. Both here at the church, both at the seminary. Pretty fun group. And the whole point of the article is, get to the place of fun. But that's not the point of Christianity. It's just not. The point of Christianity is, Jesus wants you to hear his call. And then because of that call, you're about ready to work within that call, and you're about ready to have the most meaningful life you ever imagined a person could have. Meaning, Purpose is right there for you. Are you all willing to answer the call? And the truth is, most evangelicals today are opting for fun. But have you seen what's just happened to the church? It's been in every newspaper. It's been all over the radio, all over TV. We are at our lowest ebb ever. Fewer people going to church today in America than ever before by actually a long ways, particularly compared with 20 years ago. Where you're, and some, some of you are saying, well, that's, that's COVID. No, it's not. It's America 
And this decade, we've got to make a choice. Are we willing to say, let's opt for fun and the chill pill, because I'm going to heaven, and if the whole world goes to hell, at least I've got that. Or you can say, no, God's call on my life is like Paul's life. Doesn't matter if Paul found it offensive or not. Doesn't matter if he finds it easy or not. Doesn't matter if they stone him and leave him for dead outside the city walls. It doesn't matter. I'm going to rise up and do what Jesus wants me to do. Because I know the life of abundance, Edward, is right there. I know that's his will for my life. And I know that's where I'm going to be the most fulfilled. Now, the last thing here is this. So we preach and so you believed. Uh, I'm going to tell you. The word vanity is over this point. Vain, 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 vain. In the paragraph right before the pericope we read and right after the paragraph we read, the word vain comes up four or five times. You can have an empty, vain life or you can have a fruitful life. Which one do you want? If you want fun, then embrace the word vain. If you want call, if you want resurrection, if you want power, if you want Jesus, then embrace the word I preached and so you believed. And that's what's going to happen with your life. Hey, Billy's going to come for us right now. This morning, he shared his testimony out at our uh, service. I told him to go ahead and whop that thing down to three minutes. Edward, let's see if he can do it. And uh, just give it to us because I love the way he kind of sized up the Easter story, but I also love his story. That's what I want to hear most this this morning is how Jesus changed his life. Billy, thank you. I asked a question this morning. I said, what was the, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about resurrection or resurrection day? And I had three pretty good answers, and Mary said light. And I was just kind of pondering on that. I was like, that's true, because today, over 2,000 years ago, God rose from the dead, and in the darkness that we were in, the darkness that we were stuck in and bondage to, we don't have to walk in that darkness anymore. His light came, and anywhere there's light, darkness has to leave. And so we thank God for that. But this is what I always think about whenever I think about Easter. I think about it as being one of the most ha-ha moments in history. Ha-ha because what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. And I was thinking, kind of pondering on Psalms 18, which is also 2 Samuel 22. I was thinking about David, uh, his song that he wrote right there. And why it's relevant is because we believe that this psalm was a psalm that he wrote when he finally landed on the throne. If you can remember in history as he was a kid, his God looked or he sent the prophet to look at all the, or the high priest to look at all of his brothers and they're like, I want David. And so David was anointed king even as a little kid, but he wasn't put on the throne then. And so probably most of his life he had to wonder, is God really mean what he says? Is God going to do what he promised he would do? When am I going to take the throne? And he saw that many years later after hiding in caves, after running from Saul, if y'all remember Saul's trying to kill him, he finally lands on the throne, and then he, I, we believe that he writes this psalm, and I'm just going to hit a few high points on it. He speaks over and over, he praises God. He starts the psalm with praising God, he ends the psalm with praising God. He talks about the deliverance of God twice, and in the middle, he, in verse 20, he says, he also brought me out into a broad place, and he delivered me because he delighted in me. How many of y'all know that God's delighted in you? The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. 
He knew you while you were in your mother's womb. Before the foundations of the earth were even laid, He loved you and He knew you. And He came so that He could set you in a broad place and set your feet upon a rock. I think, in my own testimony, what He thought with Jesus, when Jesus was on that cross, He thought, mission accomplished. I have succeeded in destroying the seed. The seed that was going to crush my head, I crushed his head. That's what he thought. And God the whole time was sitting back laughing. He was getting the last laugh saying, ha ha, no, because what you meant for evil was what I meant for good. The bondage that Jesus was in, the suffering that he endured was all for the good of everybody else. All the people that God is raising up for this new kingdom, which is going to be Satan stomping type of people, the people that this church that goes inside the prisons, and we show up and show out because we bring the love of God, Christ in there, Satan hates it. And so while he's thinking mission accomplished, in the end of the day, and, and personally in my own life, he was probably thinking the same thing. He was thinking, I have him in prison, facing a life sentence with hepatitis C, He's going to die in here. His son's gone. His family's going to forget about him. Mission accomplished. And God said, no. At this point of suffering is where I'm going to show up. Is where my strength is going to be made perfect in Billy's weaknesses. And so God started to restore me immediately whenever I was in that prison cell, and he started to restore everything that the devil had taken away from me. So while he thought mission accomplished, God said, no, mission accomplished. And he thinks the same thing on this Easter, and we get to remember it every day. When Satan thought he was having the last laugh, the ha-ha, God said, no, mission accomplished. It is finished. Well, I thank you all. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for your strength. We thank you for being the God of so much wisdom that you can take the very thing that Satan thinks is going to destroy us and use it for some restoration. You can use it for spiritual development. You can use it to shed light abroad to everybody else that's in darkness, Lord. You take the very things that are meant for evil and make them into good. And we just thank you for being a God of so much wisdom that can do that. And we lift you up in all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Bring rise up, stand on your feet, and receive the benediction today. May the resurrection king live in you more powerfully this week than ever before. May this God who came out of the tomb to rise, arise in you and in all your particulars. And may he appear to you because you're watching for him this week. And he may well appear to you 50 times this week, maybe just 10. But if you look for him, he'll show up exactly when you need for him to show up. Watch for him. And as you're watching for him, he will appear to you. And as he appears to you, Just watch to see the hilarity break out. Watch the fulfillment break out. Watch the purpose break out. Dayspring, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your best days are yet to come. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of that Holy Spirit, amen and amen and amen. God bless you, Dayspring. Thank you.